Good morning, saints. Did you have a restful night? Good. Praise God. We'd like to continue this morning with God's plan, the lifestyle for the next millennium. We want to continue to look at our owner's manual, and of course, we always go to Psalms 100, verse 3, because we want to acknowledge our Creator. But I want you to take your owner's manual, and I would like for you to turn to Isaiah, and we want to look at Isaiah 55, and we want to read verses 1 and 2. Isaiah 55, verse 1 and 2. We've acknowledged that God is our creator. It is he that have made us and not we ourselves. Why? Because we are his people and the sheep of his pasture. He is a wonderful shepherd, and we acknowledge that. Isaiah 55, verse 1 and 2 says, Ho, every one that thirsts, come ye to the waters. And he that has no money, come, what? Ye buy and what? Eat. Yea, come buy wine and milk without money and without price. Wherefore do you spend your money for that which is not bread, and your labor for that which satisfies not Hearken diligently unto me, and eat ye that which is what? Good, and let your souls delight in what? Fatness. Now that fatness doesn't mean that you will have to be really fat, but delighting, enjoying the fruits that God has given to you. We want to look at God's plan again, and we want to look at the end of the plan which is nutrition, to see how we can be delighted with the fatness that God has given to us. We looked at last night that the way we make our food choices has been from the basic four food groups. And we want to look at those groups today, and we want to ask the question, is a vegetarian diet adequate? because we have found that many have had different questions in regards to a vegetarian diet. Now, I believe according to Genesis chapter one, verse 11, verse 29 and 318, that God intended for man to be a vegetarian in the beginning. I shared with you scriptures showing yesterday that when God gave permission to eat flesh foods, but I believe that God intended for man to be a vegetarian because of how he made man. When we look at his teeth, he has grinders and not like uh, teeth like a carnivorous animal. The animal that eats flesh, his teeth are sharp for tearing. God gave us grinders. Also, when we look at us uh, physically, God gave us a digestive system that is different from that of a flesh-eating animal. Our colon is longer, and the colon of an animal that eats flesh food is very short because it is to go in and out very quickly. 
Now God gave us also something different than he gave to those animals that eat flesh food. And in our mouth we have enzymes that what we can use to break up carbohydrates. And flesh-eating animals don't have that. So God made us in a way that we could be able to uh, metabolize the same elements that he made us in the beginning when he took us and formed us into his likeness. Now, you know, it's wonderful as we look at each one of us and we see the different characteristics, but God made us all in his likeness. Isn't that wonderful? We are a specimen of Jehovah himself, and that's why we are very special, and that's why we make a decision to follow the Creator's plan for us. There are some questions that we want to ask in regards to uh, is the vegetarian diet adequate for us? One, we want to see what does science say about the vegetarian diet? We want to look at personal experience with this diet, and then we want to see what the Creator has said once again. What is a vegetarian? Here, according to the North, Northern American Vegetarian Society, they indicate that a vegetarian is anyone who lives on the products of the vegetable kingdom with or without the use of eggs and dairy products to the entire exclusion of flesh of all animals. That's including fish and fowl. Now, some people, like I mentioned last night, don't believe that fish, uh, chicken, and turkey is flesh food. But anything that has a face and bleed is flesh food. There are different kinds or different types of vegetarians. You have the lacto-vegetarian, you have the lacto-over-vegetarian, you have the pesto-vegetarian, and you have the vegan or the pure vegetarian. Lacto means they have dairy products in their diet. Lacto over, over means that there are eggs in the diet. Uh, pesto is a new type of a vegetarian, and they eat fish. <laughs> and then, of course, we have the um, pure and the vegan type vegetarian. And I believe that God intended for us to be pure vegetarians. Then you have the alternative. You know, now the term you hear quite frequently that uh, the, you have an alternative lifestyle. Or, you know, we may want an alternative health plan. But there are different alternative vegetarians today. You have the fruititarian, which can, they can uh, consist on fruit only. And then we will look at that and see how do we classify our foods because that will determine what's a fruit and what is a vegetable. Then you have the raw foodies, the individual who eats uh, everything raw, including grains. I believe that, that they would have a problem digesting those grains, eating them raw. We have a friend now that is on this raw uh, food and they take legumes, grind them into flour or meal as you may 
say whichever one, and then they put it in water, soak it, and then they eat them. They have digestive problems. They are sick, and they are experiencing that now, and they have not traced it back to eating those uh, raw grains and eating raw legumes. Now, I do believe that you can take your legumes and grains and you can sprout them and eat them and they will be fine. But to just take that grain and grind it or that lagoon and grind it and then just eat it, there will be some digestive problems. Now, sometimes we don't experience that right away. It's down the line that we experience it. But still in all, it will happen. The next is a sproutitarian, a person that eats only sprouts. They will sprout every single thing, and that would be what their diet will be consisted of. Then you have the breathitarian. Now, this one is a little extreme, I think, that they think that the air will provide all the nourishment that they need. Now, if God had intended for his creation to subside on breath or air, he would have made us that way. But he didn't. He gave us a mouth, didn't he? Right? He could have made us where we wouldn't have to eat anything, couldn't he? But he didn't. He made us where we would have to be able to eat those things that will provide the same elements that our body is composed of. Where, where do they think they're getting any nourishment? Because that's a fast, isn't it? Well, I don't know how long they can last on that. It's just, um, I don't know where they're getting it from, but these are different alternative concepts that people are following today. Now, those that are on a vegetarian diet, I'm sure you have heard that there are certain elements or certain dietary uh, nutrients that our body needs that we are not getting on a vegetarian diet. They say that we don't get adequate protein. You will not be able to get B12. You will not be able to get enough calcium. And, of course, you will not get enough iron, nor will you have enough iodine. Now, I believe and will show that these are misconceptions. The vegetarian diet here, this is showing the actual pyramid of the basic four food groups because in the vegetarian pyramid, you will find that this area here is not there. It is usually tofu or beans in this area. And, of course, you still have the cheese and the milk those that are what we call lacto-over-vegetarians. And we would talk about, do we actually need cheese, milk, and eggs in our diet? We talked about that a little bit yesterday. And when we go to the book, Council on Diets and Food, I don't know how many of you are seven-day Adventists, but those of you that are and you believe in the prophet, then in the book, Council on Diets and Food, you will find there a chapter dealing with cheese. Cheese, it states there, is not fit for consumption. And I believe it is because of the way in which the cheese is made. Now, some say in different areas that, well, uh, it's the hard cheese that she's talking about. 
Uh, I believe that they still use the rennet, which is normally from uh, the uh, byproduct of the uh, lining of the cow, which will still cause some problems. I think that if we, and I don't believe that we actually need cheese in our diet, it has become an acquired thing. Because when you tell a person that you are a vegetarian, automatically they believe that you will live on eggs and cheese. So I, I believe it's just a, a choice that we, have, that we make. Uh, I don't believe that we have to eat eggs because we have found that one out of every three eggs carry the leukemia virus. And we have found that in dealing with people that come to our center that have leukemia, we find that they have eaten a lot of eggs and a lot of uh, chicken. So it does carry it. There is a book that you can get here uh, at the bookstore, and it's called Abundant Health. In that book, it gives you uh, some information on uh, eggs and it, the disadvantage of eating eggs. Now, one of the things that I will recommend to people when you start to make a change to become a vegetarian, you need to find out what nutrients you need and then find the plant source and provide that in your diet so that you will not be uh, lacking in any of your nourishments at all. Because when you make a change and you become sickly, then it is a reproach upon health reform. Because if you see people that say, oh, I'm a strict vegetarian, and they look very pale, they look like they're just dragging around, then you say, well, surely I don't want to be like that. And so it is a reproach. So you need to be able to provide what your body needs. And especially when we are dealing with our children, we must Give them the right nourishment because I have found in our 20 years experience as being a vegetarian that those that decide to make certain changes, of course, they become a vegetarian. They decide that they don't want to eat eggs. They don't want to eat uh, milk. They don't want to have any uh, oil in their diet. They take out some, decide, well, I don't want to use any honey because it's an animal product, you know. And so then the children are lacking. Then we go to, well, you must have only two meals. You cannot eat three meals. If you eat three meals, you are sinning. Children, depending upon where they are, they need sometime three meals. And we will talk about meal planning. It is not a sin to eat three meals. Now, it is better to have two meals for helping the digestive system not to be overworked. But if you need a third meal, it is best to have one. And children sometimes, because of their energy level, they need three meals. So these things here don't have to be in our diet, and we'll see that as we go along. Here is a statement from the 3,000 medical doctors that I shared with you yesterday. They say a diet centered on plant food helps lower risk for many of the diseases that we are suffering with today. And this is a pure vegetarian diet 
with no animal products added at all. Now you may be able to, if you like, you can write to this company and you can get a copy of this. You can also get on their mailing list because they have a lot of good information in regards to uh, the vegetarian lifestyle. Now, here are a host of benefits of the total vegetarian diet. It is zero in cholesterol, low in saturated fats, High, high, high fiber. Zero in animal products. Zero in heme iron, that is iron that is uh, obtained from the animal kingdom. Now, you can get iron from the vegetable uh, plant source kingdom. Now, the way in which you make the iron more absorbable and that is when you eat your food, especially like in the morning, you may want to have some food that is high in vitamin C, like oranges or grapefruits, added with that meal to make the iron absorb from the other foods that you have. And you don't have to get liver, beef liver, to get iron. You know, that's what we were told when we were growing up. You have to have beef liver in order to get iron. So vitamin C helps the absorption and help you to metabolize the uh, iron that your body needs. Next, your veg the vegetarian diet is high in antioxidants. These are nutrients that help to fight cancer. Then they are rich in folic acid and B6. You remember I mentioned about folic acid yesterday? This is... <clears throat> Excuse me, can I have some water, please? <laughs> Is that fresh? Fresh water. Oh, oh okay. I left it last night. Yeah, no, I cleaned it and don't watch my wife. That's my sweetheart. <laughs> Folic acid is one of those nutrients that when a woman is pregnant in the first um, three to four months, if she is lacking in folic acid, then she could have a miscarriage. And so but the vegetarian kingdom is very high in folic acid. B vitamins are very high in your grains. All grains are high in your Bs. Also, this diet will help to promote weight control. Don't have to worry about uh, being overweight on a vegetarian diet. Also, some people are concerned that they may be underweight on a vegetarian diet because when some make the change to a vegetarian diet, they usually lose some weight. And that weight usually is because they've been eating a lot of refined foods. And then some people um, gain weight because when you eliminate flesh foods out of your diet, usually there is a void there. And if you increase the whole grain cereals and things, whole grain breads, and more raw fruits and vegetables, you will find that what makes you satisfied and what makes you eat less is the amount of chewing that you do in your meal. So we have a little statement that we tell people Chew, 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 chew. It's like a train. 
Chewing helps digestion. Chewing helps to stimulate the colon. So if you're having digestive problems, if you're having constipation problems, if you chew more, you'll find that it will help you to eliminate. Chew, 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 chew. The children like that. The seven-day Adventist diets help and are help to alleviate heart conditions. They did this study here showing that using male, the age 35, and showing the percentage of those on a non-vegetarian diet, they showed the lacto-over-vegetarian diet, and then they showed the total vegetarian diet, showing that the percentage of heart condition is lessened by a vegetarian diet. Isn't that marvelous? Now, we have a study that says... Is the seven-day Adventist lifestyle diet, is it fading or is it failing? When we look at seven-day Adventists today are getting some of the conditions that the world is getting. Because as we go around the world, we find that, I would say, in some of our churches, 80% of the people are on flesh foods. Now, that shouldn't be, but that is a reality. And so if it is a reality, then we need to know how to deal with that. I believe that some of our people are not being taught that we should be vegetarians or how to be vegetarians because some of our ministers are eating flesh foods. And surely they wouldn't teach us if they are doing it. But that is no excuse for us not to know. Because God has made provisions for all to come to the knowledge of the truth. And you have people that that are even not in the church that are finding out that the vegetarian lifestyle is better. So we can't put it on a leader or my pastor that I don't know. We can go to God. God said, he who like wisdom, ask who? Who do we ask? We ask God. We don't ask our pastor or our neighbor, our friend. We ask God, and he will direct us. Why? Because we are a specimen of Jehovah himself, and we are children of the king, and he takes very good care of his children. Amen? Amen? Praise the Lord. Everything we need, God has given to us in the beginning. Grains, fruits, nuts, and vegetables are to be found all the elements that we need. All. Not some, not few. Now, if this statement is not true, then when we go back to Genesis chapter 1, uh, 11, 29, 318, then the creator didn't know what we needed. And I know for a sure that God knows all things and is well able to carry us through. Amen? Amen. The original diet, fruits, nuts, grains, and uh, vegetables were added after man's sin. 
here are your plant sources. And I didn't put all of the, the plant sources. I just indicated some that were high in protein because we saw that the problems that people have with uh, vegetarian diets, they don't get enough protein, they don't get enough B12, they don't get enough calcium, they don't get iron, and they don't get iodine. Here I put for protein, nuts and legumes. Um, that will include soybeans are high, also beans uh, uh, are high in uh, protein, and then every single food item, whether it be an apple, whether it be broccoli, whether it be cauliflower, kale, carrots, <coughs> spinach, um, parsley, whatever, every single item that God has given to us have protein, fat, and carbohydrate. So when you hear, oh, you can't eat the carbohydrate with the protein, God put them all in one thing. For instance, when you look at uh, avocado, it is higher in fat, but it has protein and it has carbohydrate in it. Now, what about grains? Grains are higher in what? Protein, and they have carbohydrate, and they have fat. So God put the right balance in every one of those things. Now, what about B12? B12, people say that you have to eat that, that walk, swim, crawl, or fly in order to get it. But there is a plant source for B12, and you find it in beetroots. How many are familiar with beetroots? Include it in your diet. Uh, leeks. How many are familiar with leeks? Leeks are very good. Now you will find that these two particular foods are what we call root foods. They are in the ground, so they are able to draw up those uh, that B12 source that's there that is actually a bacteria that is produced on the food, and when you eat it, then your body will absorb it. Now, we only need a small amount of it. We don't have to make sure that we have it every single day. Now, also, if you are getting a variety of grains in your diet, then through the process of digestion and when it gets, it will build up a bacteria on your teeth as a result of the fermentation process. And then when you wake in the morning, you can run your teeth, tongue, sorry, across your teeth, and you will get a small amount of B12. Also, B12 comes from some of your water systems. So we don't have to be lacking in this nutrient. Uh, also, calcium. I mentioned last night that green leafy vegetables, we don't eat enough uh, green leafy vegetables in our diet. We should have some every single day. A woman that is pregnant, she should increase the amount that she has because she is having calcium not only for herself, but for the child. And who? If she has two or three, my, she even needs more. <laughs> So, lots of green leafy vegetables. You cannot overdose on these green leafy vegetables. Also, figs. Figs are very high in uh, calcium. Almonds, sesame seeds. Also, one of your uh, calcium deficiency is cramps. Also, women or young girls have um, 
menstrual cramps. If they would eat enough calcium-rich foods, it will eliminate that. And then 10 days before the cycle, the calcium level drops. So you need to make sure that you eat enough calcium 10 days before. And then if you, did, if you didn't, then get you maybe some alfalfa or comfrey tea and drink it and it'll get into the system right away and boost it up. Or um, sesame seeds. Um, Sometimes tahini will also be very beneficial. Iron, there's those green leafy vegetables again. I tell you, we just can't get away from them. Whole grains, uh, lentils, we love lentils. Avocados, high in iron. Iodine, kelp and beets and spinach are loaded in iodine. And also, another product is your sea salt that is made from the sea has some kelp or iodine in it. Or if you're afraid you may not get enough in your uh, plant, then get a iodine sea salt and it will give you small portions amount that your body will need. So these are things that you would want to include. Plant sources. What's my time? It's about 10 to 11. So I have 10 minutes, okay. Oh, okay, all right. Here is the new food, four food group that we talked about from the, uh, the co uh, Physicians Committee for Responsible Medicine, just reinforcing the vegetarian diet. Here in the book, Councils on Diet Food, it reiterates the creator's diet for man. It says also in Council on Diets and Food, God gave our first parents the food he designed that the race what should eat it was what contrary what to his plan to have the life of any what creature taken there was to be no death in eden god didn't intend for us to live on dead food you remember I showed you yesterday, in order to get the elements that we needed, God gave us a dietary plan that had a root system that is live food. Dead food can't produce the elements that our body needs. Now let's talk about meal planning. In the material that we passed out to you yesterday or last night, there was a a handout that was entitled RX Plan, God's Plan, RX Plan. And in there, in the back, there is a menu there that is called God's Basic Plan Menu. Now here is breakfast. And we're just going to give you some ideas of breakfast. Breakfast, a cooked grain. Now on God's program, you will find that God revolves our meals around a grain or a starch. In the sad diet, you will find that the meals are revolved around a protein or a um, meat substitute. <clears throat> if those of us that are on a vegetarian diet 
are revolving our meals around a meat substitute, then we are doing the same things that we did when we were having fish, chicken, turkey, or whatever. And I believe that when we do that, then when we look at the, a vegetarian can be on the sad diet. The sad diet is high protein, high fat, lots of sugar, and low fiber, and low in nutrients. So if you on a high protein diet, in a, on the vegetarian diet, then you will get some of the same conditions as a person that is on a high flesh protein diet. So revolve the meals around a starch or a grain. Here we showed that you can have maybe millet, brown rice, barley, rolled oats, buckwheat, spelt, uh, uh, kamut, or canoa. These are different grains. So when you have your meal, like for breakfast, if you have rolled oats today, have millet tomorrow, the next day maybe brown rice, the next day another grain, so that within four to five days you will have a variety of grains as opposed to the same grain every single day. Now what happens if you eat that same grain? Then your body will build up and you may eventually start to have allergies as a result of having that same food every single day. You need a variety. Now, with that meal, here we showed having, uh, we will see there's three meals here, but we showed having maybe the fruit meal in the morning. Some people do a lot of mental work, especially with our children. And so you don't want a, very, a heavy meal in the morning. Uh, now, we hear the statement, it should be the heartiest meal, and it should be, but that doesn't mean that it has to be heavy with beans, legumes, potatoes in the morning, because if you're doing a lot of mental work, you will find that you will, your blood will be down in your stomach trying to digest that food, and you will be sleepy and a little lethargic if you're trying to use that brain. Then... Have fresh fruit. Have at least two to three kinds of fresh fruit. When you think of your grains and your starches, they are very acid. Even though millet is the most alkaline of your grain, the way that you want to keep your balance is that if you have two to three alkaline foods to one acid, it'll keep your body alkaline because if you have more acid in your uh, meal than more alkaline, then it sets up a predisposition for colds, and then you will have sinus, hay fever, and allergies, and the list just goes on. So have two to three different kinds. Then on that grain, you may decide that you would want to have like a fruit sauce or maybe have a fruit spread, or you can have a nut or grain milk. In the material that we gave, it will give you a menu or a recipe for a nut and a grain milk that you can have. Almonds, which are what we call the king of the nuts, they're more what we call alkaline. Eight to 10 almonds will give you the same equivalence in protein as one ounce breakfast steak. Uh, almonds are excellent. 
very high in calcium, protein, and then sunflower seeds. They are high also in calcium. Now, also I would encourage that the men would eat more pumpkin seeds because they're higher in zinc. Now your seeds, you can eat more, so uh, more abundance than I would say that you would get in your nuts because they're not as high in protein, but they will still provide the nutrients that your body needs. So this is breakfast. Lunch or dinner. Now some of you may work and you may have to get a, take a, a sack lunch or you may decide that you may eat a little bit lighter. But I would encourage you that eat more, the heavier part of that meal in the afternoon, no later than 1 to 2 o'clock. Because when you eat later than that, then it will affect the digestion because I will show that that last meal that you have should be before going to bed, should be five hours before you go to bed. Because if it is protein, because society teaches us that we work and we have a little light lunch and then we come home in the evening, then we have potatoes and then we have our steaklets and steaks and, you know, and then our beans and our peas and, and our greens and it just goes on, and it is too heavy in the evening time because our body works on a rhythm, and our metabolism is regulated so that as the day starts to end, our metabolism slows down. And so at noon, you can, it's higher. It'll burn that food more. And a person that is concerned about weight you will make sure that you eat it early, your food earlier, then you won't have to worry about that. Yeah, that's a good question. What yeah. about people that work in an office or in a factory where you have set times to stop? Mm -hmm. <laughs> and it's more of a problem, then you, you, you don't, never eat together at home because you... Yeah, that is a problem. Uh, well, then you can maybe have that third meal and make it lighter, I mean light, 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 so that you could have some quality time in the evening. You need that. You know, I don't believe that a family um, should spend a whole day and not spend time together, you know, in some setting. And normally, you know, the way society is today, the father leaves home early, then the mother uh, if she's working, she has to go, and then the children go off, and, and they have to have breakfast, you know, at school, or they run to some fast food restaurant and get it, and this is the way that the family is divided. So you have to find some time where you could either eat together, either if it's not breakfast, then if it's not lunch, then if it's going to be in the evening, then make it very, very, very light. Or maybe you want to just sit down and have tea. That would be fine. But at least spend some time, where quality time, where you can have together. Now, also in this meal time, you want to make sure at every one of your meals, you need to have some raw food. Why? Because raw food is higher in enzymes. It is loaded, and also it takes the pressure off of the digestive system when you eat more raw food. So have a raw salad. Eat it first uh, in your meal. 
Then you can have whole grain bread at that meal. And another thing I want to encourage you, most of us that become vegetarians, we eat whole wheat bread every single day and every time we have bread is whole wheat bread. That is another problem that can build up allergies. Rotate those grains. Now you can find these principles in that book, Councils on Diets and Food. So if you have wheat sometime, then have soy bread sometime. Have rice sometime. And then of course you have some people that are allergic to the gluten that's in the wheat. And so millet bread is good. Spelt bread is good because it doesn't have that uh, gluten. But have a variety of different grain breads in your meal plan. Then I put down Sepa here five hours before uh, bedtime, and especially with children. I wouldn't even give them uh, like a soy milk in the evening because it will cause them to have um, nightmares. Some of them become very restless, and also it can cause bed, bed wetting when they have that protein at, at night before going to bed. Variety, variety, variety. Make sure that the meal should be varied and have variety. The same dishes prepared in the same way should not appear on the table meal after meal and day after day. The meals are eaten with greater relish. That means you would, will enjoy it more and the system is better nourished when the food is varied. That means varied, having a variety. That means not too many varieties. Now most of us, if we go to like, sometime we have potluck, or either we have Thanksgiving uh, meals together, and we eat every single thing that's on the table. And so then we wonder why uh, the number one digestive aid, which is Tom's and Roll Aid today, is because we're eating too much and we're having a digestive problem. So I would limit the dishes to no more than three to four dishes. Now, one dish may have three or four things in it, but no more than three to four dishes. Now, usually at our place, we usually limit and have usually one grain which if we have potatoes, we just have potatoes. And I noticed that some people may have potatoes and rice together. That's two different starches or grains. Have one or the other. And then we would have a cooked vegetable. We would have a raw salad, and we may have, with the potatoes, we may have steamed broccoli, or we may have um, kale, or we may have cabbage, and then Occasionally, we may have a legume with it if we wanted to have a protein because, see, sometimes you think, well, I have to have a legume with the starch in order to have a complete protein. But if you are getting a variety through the day, your body will make up that amino link that it needs to make a complete protein. So you don't have to plant complement plant protein complement at each one of your meals. So two, three, no more than three to four dishes, and then make sure you have a variety at those meals every day. Breakfast, heartiest meal, supper, the lightest meal. Eat like a king or 
queen in the morning, like a, um, a prince or princess in the afternoon, and a pauperous and a pauperous in the evening. And that evening meal, when you start dealing with people that have degenerate conditions, and you may find that they do have to have a light meal. So if it is a, uh, a soup that is not a protein base, you can do it. Or maybe we find that fruits are very good, you know. Apples are very good. Oranges, your melons digest very quickly, you know, and they are very helpful. Now, this is a chart that I placed up here because we want to find out about how to classify. There are many different classifications as we've gone around. What's the fruit? What's the vegetable? Uh, everybody thinks that anything that has a, a blossom is an actual fruit, and it can be eaten with all fruits. And so what we did is we went back to the Bible, and we got the classification that God gave in the beginning and took the fruits and vegetables that we have and placed them under these categories to see what was actually a fruit and what was a vegetable. Now here we see in Genesis chapter 1, Let's see if I can show. Here, Genesis 1, 11, we there were three categories of food, only two that God gave here to man, and it was a fruit tree yielding fruit after its kind, and it was the herb yielding seed. Now, we find that out of the herb yielding seed, the category there was grains, and you would get your seeds there. Fruit would be... Fruit would be apples, peaches, you know, avocados. All of those would go under the fruit tree. Now, under Genesis 3.18, we found that the herbs of the field or the green herbs, those foods there were what we call your leafy vegetables. Your legumes were under there and also your tubulars were there, which means your root vegetables were under that category. And of course, we don't have to deal with uh, flesh foods. Now, even under your fruits, you would have also the vine. You had the grapevine. You know, in the garden, uh, those uh, trees were very stalky. And you remember the spies went over, it took two of them to carry. So our foods today are, very, are much smaller than what they were in the beginning. Now, here we took these same categories of food and showed where we would place them. Now, biological, when you hear the word uh, fruit, you would think automatically that it is the, the definition of a fruit is the product of a vine or plant. Now, we took that and we showed here that when we go to our a tree, there was no problem in knowing that whatever came on the garden in the garden in that beginning, that food was what we call uh, perennial. That means that it was constantly grow, come back. It did not die to the root like the things in 318 did. So here, when we look at 318, the food can come from a blossom, a leaf, a stem, or it can come from a root. So 
people were having problems, where do you put the tomato? Where do you put the eggplant? Where do you put the green peppers? Where do you put uh, peas? And we saw that they are from Genesis 3.18. Now, some were from when we look at the uh, blossom, you got tomatoes, or maybe you call it tomato. Your tomato, you got peas, squash, beans, broccoli, all of those are from the blossom. Now, even though it is the product of that plant, it does not mean that this can be eaten with an apple. It does not mean that it can be eaten with a grapefruit. It does not mean that it can be eaten with a banana. Now, your leafy vegetables here, you have green leafy things, your stem, you have celery, asparagus, and then you have your root vegetables. Now, the only thing that we find that is neutral, that can be eaten with fruits or with vegetable, is grains, your nuts can be eaten, then you have olives, which are actually fat, and avocados are fat, can be eaten with uh, vegetables or fruit. Now why? Because the avocado and the olives are very high in fat. And we read that we should have olives at every one of our meals for the fat content. And they are lower in the starches, and so they can be eaten with fruit or with vegetables. Now, when it comes to pawpaw and pineapple, people are saying that they are neutral uh, foods. To, uh, when we look at this category, pawpaw and pineapple are actually fruits. People usually eat those because they have an enzyme that helps to digest protein. But it does not help to digest fats or carbohydrate. It only deals with uh, protein. So I tell an individual if they're having problems digesting the protein, then don't eat the fresh pawpaw or the pineapple. Get a tablet and eat it. Then it won't have a digestive problem there. But those cannot be eaten with fruit or with vegetable. I mean, with the vegetables, the way that we see it. Yes. What about melons? Melons actually should be eaten alone, and to my understanding, they are actually in the fruit category. Now, if we look at the way they were actually grown, we would think of them as being of the vegetable kingdom, that we could eat it with that. But actually, they are classified more with the fruit. Now, some of the things and some of the categories that we have today, I don't believe that we will have when we get to heaven. Uh, some of our foods are genetically altered. Some, you know... Uh, Prince Charles, uh, I was reading here recently that was having a problem with the genetically altered food, and I think we should have a problem with it because I believe when we're eating for uh, nourishing those cells, the genetically altered food will affect us at a cellular level. Now, you may not feel it right away, but eventually it would have some problems. So we usually just eat the melons with the fruit. Now, what we normally do is if 
the meal is going to be totally melons, then we would eliminate some of the other fruit. But if you're making a fruit salad and you want to put a couple of lim uh, melon balls in there, then it's no problem. But if you eat that uh, half of a melon and then eat some of your other uh, fruits, then you will have the same effect as is drinking with your meal because the melons are higher in water content. So you want to be uh, conscious there. Now, let me go back here. Jack, how do you go back? Now, here are some combining uh, principles that I just want to leave with you. And that is fruits and vegetables are not to be eaten together at one meal. Now, you can find this principle in your book, Council on Diets and Food. That's why we went to the Bible to show the difference in category, what's a fruit, what's a vegetable. So when we get to this statement, we will know what is actually a fruit, what is actually a vegetable. Now, when the prophet wrote this, she didn't categorize these foods for us. So we have to go and find out why. This book, Council on Diets and Food, is a reference book to give us, it's like a resource book. Then you have to go and find out the whys that she say, these, uh, some of these information here. Then legumes and grains make a com uh, complete protein. You don't have to combine them together at the same meal if you are getting a variety of foods throughout the day. Combining sugar and milk Sugar and milk together causes fermentation. Uh, those that are on especially cow's milk with sugar will find that it will create alcohol in the system. We have known people to have a person uh, in particular that has cirrhosis of the liver as a result of just eating ice cream and cake every single day. Now, anytime you add... Um, Protein, usually to a, with a sugar, you will get fermentation. Like, for instance, if you put honey or sugar in any of the milk, you're going to get some fermentation. Now, if you use soy milk or a grain milk, you will not have the same fermentation as it would be with cow's milk. But now, if you are making your bread, you know in order for that bread to rise, that yeast has to activate on something. And normally when you put it with some sugar, it will cause it to ferment in order to make that bread rise. Now that fermentation is okay, but you are, should not eat that bread as soon as it comes out of the oven. Now why? Some of us hear the statement, well, because um, we shouldn't eat it because the uh, yeast is alive. But any of us that bake bread know anytime you put that yeast in any water that is too hot, it automatically kills that yeast. So what happens is when you make that bread, there is gluten in, that, in the flour. Gluten mixes with that yeast that you have placed, and it blows it using carbon dioxide, which blows that bread to its height, and that gas is still in there fresh. 
So when you eat it, then you have digestive problems. But if you let it sit 12 to 24 hours, that gas escapes. And then when you eat it afterwards, you won't have that problem. Even if you warm it the next day to heat it up, that gas has escaped and you won't have the problem. So fresh bread is not good. Even though it smells good and it tastes wonderful, but it does cause some problems. Then the next thing is complicated mixtures. Complicated mixtures is my mother used to, at the end of the week, she would take out everything that she had fixed during the week that was left over, you know? And she'd take everything and she'd put that into a soup. And man, it was good. But oh boy, was it, oh, can affect your stomach. So complicated mixtures. You want to stay away from complicated mixtures. Leftovers, I would encourage you to eat more raw, cook a little bit left, less, because you should not eat any food that is in your refrigerator over three days. Anything that's over three days, bacteria builds up in there. You cannot smell it. So throw it out. So cook less so that you can eat it all, and then you don't have to worry about what to do with the leftovers. Now, if you are a person that have to fix your meals and, and you are concerned about fixing it for the whole week, then fix, fix it, take out what you're going to eat for the next two days, freeze the other. Then you can take it out and you don't have that bacteria buildup. But if it's in that refrigerator and you're opening and closing that container, bacteria is going to build up in that food and you will want to throw it out. Too many varieties, we talked about that just a little bit. Avoid fermented, spoiled, overcooked, over and underripe fruits and vegetables. Let's deal with, uh, we talked about fermented foods, uh, sauerkraut. People love sauerkraut. It is a fermented food. I would recommend that you not uh, use it because bacteria builds up on it and it is not good. And especially cabbage. Cabbage is one of those foods that bacteria builds up fast with it and it spoils fast. So if you cook some cabbage, cook a small amount and then eat what you cook and then throw out the rest if you're not going to eat it. Do not save it for the next day. Cabbage is a total no-no, especially cooked. Now, if it is raw, you won't have that problem. But cooked, it changes it. What you mean when it's cooked? It's all right to eat cooked cabbage, though? Yes, it's okay but, to eat cooked cabbage. refrigerating it. Yeah, yeah. Spoiled food. Spoiled food builds, um, cause fermentation, also uh, cause blood uh, poisoning. One of the foods that is more prominent for spoiling, and that is your tomatoes. You would look at a tomato, and you would see that sometimes it has a black spot on it. Now, there's a difference from the actual black spot and a bruised spot. Now, if you dropped it, you can cut that bruised spot off. But if it's a black spot, you cannot just cut it off and eat it because it is going to poison your bloodstream. Now, there is documentation that indicate that that black spot is mold, okay? Now, anytime mold appears 
on the outside of that fruit or vegetable. It's an indication that it has networked all through there in order for it to be on the top. Throw it out. You don't want it. Now, you, apples is apples are a little bit uh, coarser. Uh, even with apples, I usually just throw them out too. Sometimes you can't even tell about the apple until you cut it and then you see it in the center. But if, it's, if it shows any decay, you don't want to use it because remember, we are eating to build good blood and decayed, spoiled, overripe, underripe fruits and vegetables do not build good blood. So you want the very best now because remember, we're eating to nourish our brain and the brain is nourished through pure blood. So whatever you're putting in, if it's not pure, it's not going to give your body the nourishment that it needs. What are your thoughts on heating uh, food twice? I read a book once that said we should never heat our food twice. Well, um, that's overcooked. I, that's why I recommend to cook a little bit less so that you can eat it all so you don't have to heat it. Because once you heat it, then you're going to destroy the, uh, the enzymes that's there. Now, what about taking that food and, you know, you have elderly people that um, just one of them in the home, and so they use it, put it in the microwave. Microwave is intense heat, and it destroys all nutrients. So when you eat it, you're not eating for nutrients. You're just eating to be eating. There's no nutrients in it because it destroys all of the nutrients. It is intense heat. So if you are going to heat something, heat it on the stove lightly. You know, put it in a steamer maybe where it just steams it. But I would cook less food so you don't have to have cooking it over and over again. Now, if it's bruised, well, if it is bruised, you can cut off the bruise. But if it is overripe, then the sugar, con the sugar content is very high, and then it is not going to uh, produce good blood. Even when it's overripe, if it's not ripe, if it's green, it's more starchy, it builds up more mucus, it makes the system more prone to have colds, and then there's a lot of... Uh, uh, sinus problems as a result. So use your things quicker. It's better to buy less and use it quicker than to buy more and then you have to use it after it is not in the very best condition. Because remember now, you want the very best quality. Now in America, they have these stores that they call uh, salvage grocery stores in America now. And what they have is you can go there and you could buy a uh, tin can product that maybe have a dent in it, or you could buy maybe the cereal that may be, you know, outdated, and you could get it for maybe, well, over here maybe it's uh, 85 pence. You can get it maybe for 10 pence or maybe 20, 20, 20 pence, you know. You think, oh, man, is that a bargain? Oh, wow, God is blessing me, you know. Well, God doesn't bless his children with garbage, and he doesn't give us inferior things to eat. If that can is dented, it can affect the um, mechanism in there. There could be some leakage in there, and you're not aware of it, you know. 
don't buy it. If it is outdated, you can rest assured. If it's outdated, it has been on the shelf for some time, you don't want it. Pay the best so that you can get the best so that God can work with these brains of ours. We, you know, we have enough problem with trying to overcome the sins and things in our life, you know, without getting inferior things that's going to make the blood bad where we can't even hear the communication from heaven. So buy the best quality of things. Go back to the banana. What is a ripe banana? A ripe banana is when it has some little brown speckles on it. Now, some areas... They uh, gas them and they will ripen faster. And then sometimes you can get them from the market and they may still have a little green on it and then it's nice and firm. Now, another way of telling a very good banana is on the back of the banana, you know, there's ridges. Okay. Now, if it is smoother, it is better that it is uh, picked when it's almost riper and those are better quality. If the ridges are very prominent in there, then they were very, very green when they got them. And so black stuff in the banana? Black, you uh, indicates you don't want to eat the black in there at all. You don't want to cut it down? No. You don't want to blend it? Now remember, if you put it in blend it up, or if you decide that you want to make banana bread with it, it's still the same as it would be if you just eat it. So use your thing so you don't get the uh, overripe, underripe fruits and vegetables. Food combining Get 80% what we call complex carbohydrates in your diet. And then 10% fat, 10% protein. Now how do you do that? That means get more of your fruits and vegetables in. If you want, uh, when you eat beans or maybe some of your nuts, we shouldn't have a whole lot of nuts every single day just loading up on the nuts. Because remember, there's protein and fat in every single thing. So you're going to get some, so you don't have to worry about, oh, I got to put this together, oh, I got to do that. If you're varying those meals, you'll get what you need. Now here is the, what we call the Adventist diet. This is basically what most Adventists live off of. They have fish, chicken, turkey, or they eat gluten or tofu in order that they may get their protein. Then their fats come from dairy, cheese, eggs, or they have some olives, some eat or some are pouring flaxseed oil on their breads and all over everything, or olive oil all over it so that they could get that. And then they live on a lot of peanut butter. They have refined sugars. They use a lot of raw sugar, turbinado sugar, and then for starches, they eat lots and lots and lots and lots of granola. And they eat a lot and lots and lots of bread, potatoes every day. Uh, Kumara, that's potatoes. Uh, they have that mostly in Australia and New Zealand. And then they eat a lot of muesli and wheat bits. Now, when we look at this diet, with all of this, it is very acidy. This diet, without having any uh, raw fruits and vegetables with it, this kinds of choices will cause us to have sickness. 
Now, what about gluten? Gluten is very hard on the digestive system. Uh, they have done a study that gluten, it can take almost 24 hours before it starts to decompose. Now, in the information that we gave to you, we showed that there are some digestive times there. Protein digests in the stomach. The area for digestion of protein is the stomach. The area for digesting your carbohydrates, starches, and grains in the mouth. The area for fats to be digested in the stomach. So if we are eating lots and lots and lots of protein, and it is not digesting properly, then it is going to cause putrefaction, then it will cause bacteria buildup, then you're going to have a lot of acid, it's gonna be constipation, and it goes on and on and on. So you want to make sure that you vary, make sure you get some raw fruits and vegetables, vary those foods, and then that gluten, uh, gluten steaks, if you are making gluten steaks, make sure you have a lot of raw food with it because gluten steaks have no, 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 no fiber. Why? Because if you are accustomed to making it, you take it, make it with your whole wheat flour, and you wash, 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 you wash the bran out, you wash the wheat germ out, and when you finish washing, you have washed all of the nutrients, all of the enzymes that's going to help to facilitate digestion, you've washed it down the drain. So the drain is digesting, and you aren't. <laughs> so, caution, yes. No, your honey is more natural. Your honey is pre-digested. Uh, you will not have the same effects with the honey as you would with your refined sugars. So if you are wanting to make something, uh, um, honey, you can use honey. Uh, some use uh, fructose. Fructose is still a what we call a refined product but uh, it will have some nutrients that will, uh, diabetics can have that as opposed to the, the sugar. Uh, then there's barley malt, which is good. Then um, you can use, they have um, succinate and stevia, which is uh, good um, sugar uh, substitutes if that's what you wanna use. Uh, but if you don't have them, then you just stick with what you have. Honey, you can use honey with except most everything, except for diabetics can't use the honey. What about maple syrup? Maple syrup, excellent to use. Now, I saw a hand over here first, yeah. What about using um, uh, mushrooms? Some of us still use mushrooms. What about mushrooms? Well... Well, well, well. When you go, I'll tell you how to, I'm, I'm going to answer this like this. You remember I showed a chart that the food that God gave to man had a root system. You remember that? Now, do mushrooms have a root system? Mushrooms are a fungus. 
Mushroom grows on dead, decayed things. Now, mushrooms have been, when a person become a vegetarian, we usually use lots of mushrooms to make things taste excellent. But they are, they are a fungus. And Dr. Thrash indicated that some of your mushrooms can be carcinogenic, means that they can cause cancer. So uh, now what brand? I don't have a documentation of what brand, but Dr. Thrash does indicate that mushrooms can cause cancer, and they are a fungus. Now in our preparation, we don't use mushrooms at all. Now they do, there is a saying now, they have a particular mushroom that they're using that you can uh, soak and you can drink the water off of it and it gives you all of this vitality, you know? And people are doing it like, you know, some people use what they call sourdough starters. You know, you can take a part of it and put it aside and keep it. And then if you want to make your bread again, you take a little bit out of the a starter and start it up again. Well, they have this mushroom that does the same thing. Now, I believe that it will eventually cause some problems. So you have to eat it at your own risk. So the information I'm sharing with you, it may be different. It may be different from what you're normally accustomed to. But this is just information that we've come across. Now, you go to God and ask God what he would have you to do in making sure. Now, the bottom line that you're eating now for is to be able to have, make good blood in order to nourish the cells because it's the cells that brings the life. And if we do not nourish them, then if they die, then we're going to have premature death as a result. There was a question in the back. Here. I was saying, what about if you combine different grains together when you, you know, you're making a, like a bread and you combine um, corn, millet, oats, wheat, and you make it into a bread? How is that in the system? Is that okay with this more than. Um, well, if you are going to um, have a, what we call a multi grain bread, I wouldn't use any more than three grains. When you go into five, nine, and 12 grains, it is very complex and it causes problems with the digestive system to try to break all of them down. So remember, you want to keep your meals as simple as possible. That is the very best. Now, quality, we talked about quality. I want to share this with you. I have, I think, a couple more, and we want to stop here because my time is gone. Um, I have been shown that many take a wrong view of health reform and adopt too poor a diet. They subsist upon a cheap, poor quality of food prepared without care in reference to the nourishment of the system. The idea should never be given that it is of but little consequences what we eat. Quality. You want quality. Don't eat between meals. Don't have excess salt. Watch the caffeine in your diet. And then watch those things that are on your plate. Watch this little guy here with his droppings. And I have an article that I want to share with you about that. I have an article that I got when I was in Australia last year in October. It was Wednesday, October the 21st, 1998. Dealing with this chocolate, it says a mouse a day. This article came from London. 
You hear what I'm saying? Are you close to London? Here it says, a woman tugged into a chocolate bar found she had bitten off more than she could chew. The head and parts of the body of a mouse. The lady found that the dark, fuzzy object surrounded by caramel and nuts in a bar she had bought from the, a central London market. And a court was told this, and she was trying to sue. The chocolate bar manufacturer was Mars of the UK, was charged with selling contaminated food, and they were processed, prosecuted. So you want to stick to God's life activating diet because health is a treasure, and God's plan is a decided change, my friends. So you want the, to have the, the restoration and the preservation of God's plan. So may you make the healthiest choices from the things that you have available here for you in the United Kingdom. May God bless you. Okay. Let's have prayer, please. Loving Father which art in heaven, we are grateful and thankful for the information that you have given to us. We're thankful that you have made us into your divine image. And now, Lord, we ask that you will give us the grace that we may adapt principles that will restore your divine mind in our minds, that we may be into your likeness, that we will have your thoughts, that we will perfect character that will fit us to dwell in your heavenly kingdom. For this is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, if you need a little boost, then, you know, sometimes you can add a little bit of, you know, ground-up linseed, tablespoon of that, you know, every meal, linseed, we call it flaxseed, just add it to it. That helps. Linseed is more of a fiber. It's not laxative. It's more fiber. And that's what I tell people. And if they really chronic constipated, then, too, sometimes I use a, a herbal formula. But I'm saying most constipation can be can be uh, solved by regularity and eating. If you don't have a regular schedule eating, you, like if you eat breakfast maybe at 8 o'clock one time and then skip breakfast and maybe at 10, it throws your whole biological clock off. You've got to be as regular as possible with your eating because if you, unless you fast, and now you find what I'm saying, those are some of the things you can improve constipation. Um, sorry, since I'm a Finn, I don't mind continuing this conversation here. And, um, my you question is, I mean, it relates to my problem, and I brought this up to the doctor as well, because, you know, like I said, I don't really know what my problem is. Okay. They think that maybe it's chronic fatigue syndrome. But I do have this problem that, you know, mine always float happily until they are flushed down you know, maybe after six times <laughs> of trying to flush them. Mm -hmm. And I've been wondering that could this be some kind of um, malabsorption of Yes, fat you see, there's more well. fat, but see, there's malabsorption, you know, they float, but they need to just gradually move on down. Yeah. Malabsorption. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> no, no, well, they, they, this is all right. You know, yeah. if they go be a medical doctor, they're going <laughs> to learn this stuff. I, I know, you see, we, we, we live in a society so quaint and, and people walk around constipated. Mm -hmm. 
I'm sorry, but that's a reality. You're sick. And I, culture, I mean, I don't think I'm being rude here, but you know, we, we got to get the bowels moving. <laughs> and, you, and you come to my place, that's, you're going to hear about it. Because we talk about good bowel movements every day. <laughs> I'm not going there. <laughs> yes, you do have an absorption problem. That's why I want you to get a little more bulk, more chewing in your diet. You know, trying to add a, you know. Because otherwise, like, I get a lot of fiber. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But see, yeah, yes. Yeah, but I want you to do a little more chewing. Okay. The assimilation is a problem because the food might not be assimilating. And then the intestinal flora, because if you eat a lot of, you know, porridge and, and a few other things we talked about, you know, but I believe that that could be corrected. So now, let me, we, we, we finish here. We'll stop there. And I just want to demonstrate something. But anyway, before I demonstrate in closing, because... This will be my last demonstration because you might stone me after this. <laughs> Not on her. <laughs> but anyway, what have we found out here? In those doctors that we went through, which one of those you think that you need to really work on? Now you, did you learn anything here? Um, well, things that have stuck to my mind is deep breathing. Good. And not just deep breathing when you're, you know, you think that you're deep breathing when you're walking outside or exercising. Right. Actually making attempt to draw air into you to keep it right. there and then still good. the exhale. Mm -hmm. What else? And, um, the Epsom salts bath. This would be good. Yes, that sounds rather interesting. What else? And um, chew, chew, chew your food. That's else. What else? Um, huh? Sugar. Yeah, but that, that's not really my problem. Oh, good. I then. said that I like it, but I don't eat it. Good. Stuff. All right. That's very good. Very good. All right. Except, then. you know, maybe a teaspoon a day or something like that. All right. That. Now, let me ask this. Do you, know, do you have any friend that has high blood pressure, arthritis, cancer, or overweight? Mm -hmm. Which one? Um, probably all of them. All right. I'm if not you, one person all I want to give you a free book. Out of one of those, which one you want? Um, now, I'm going to, huh? Okay, I'll give you, because I was holding this to somebody, I'll give you a free book. When I, before I leave, before you leave, mm -hmm. I'll give you a free book. Before you cooperating with me. Well, thank you very much. God bless you. Now, let me just do this last demonstration here so you can just stone me here. One question about what you were saying to her. You told her she needed to add bulk. What types of things? Oh, reason bulk? the bulk, she says she's eating fiber, but see, the way she, my wife, the way you cook the food here tend to minimize that because they eat a lot of porridge, more mush that does not require chewing and they got a lot it has the fiber but what she need is the more chewing that would increase more assimilation and absorption are you following what i'm saying but does that increase bulk huh well she always she got bulk now fiber produced bulk fiber produced bulk the green bulk and what she needs she gets she says she got a little bulk there but fiber produced bulk your whole grain so as i mentioned when i cook my brown rice and as a way of cooking that brown rice, the sheet kind of explained that you got a handout and that you can move those, they, they just burst open. Burst open. They're not real dry, but they burst open. And if you want to put a little cream and stuff, that's fine. But it's not gummy. It's not sticky. It's not like, you know, you can put it on a spoon, then you can throw it against the wall. <laughs> now, let me give you a tip here. Now, if anybody having problems with their bowels, 
constipation because this is a key. And um, I have done meetings and I've shown videotapes of what have come out of people. You know, and um, I dare not bring the video to England because y'all probably <laughs> running out. Where did this guy come from? But all over, the, everywhere else, they accept me. <laughs> but anyway, there's many people when they have, and this is important because constipation is a contributing cause to a lot of problems. I work with too many people with that. I used to be, you know, I used to believe that, you know, to answer the call, when you get an urge, to ask, most of us will not answer the call. And if you're a teacher, you won't answer the call because if you was teaching in Chicago in the public school system and you have to go to the bathroom, you cannot leave those children. They'll take over the classroom. And so you have to hold it. And some of us don't like to go to the bathroom to other people's house because we're so modest because, you know, there's other things happening. So we don't answer the call. Every time we get an urge, we must answer the call. When you don't answer the call, you lose that call. That is a reality. Now, I've sat down, like I said, with doctors and discussed this. I worked with a woman that had skin problems. She was probably in her late 20s. She went to every dermatologist that she could find. She wanted to be a model. Her mother encouraged her to come talk to me. She sat across the desk from me, and she definitely said, what this guy going to help me with? I've taken all this stuff. And nothing helped. I asked her one question. How many bowel movements do you have? And she dropped, I'm serious. She dropped her head. She felt embarrassed because she never had nobody ask her that. And I'm quite sure your doctor don't ask you that either. She dropped her head. And I said, I'm here to help. It's not, I'm here to help you. She said, well, sheepishly, one bowel movement a week. Whoa. I they did a study, then I'm going to demonstrate. They did a study of three nations, three countries Africa, Australia, and uh, America to determine the transit time. The time that you ingest, digest, and eliminate waste. That's transit time. In Africa, the transit time was 38 hours. In Australia, it was 48 hours. That was the Aborigines, not the Europeans. In America, it was 72 hours. The average American have a bowel movement every three days. The two leading drugs in America, non-prescription drugs now, two leading drugs, is Zantac and X-Lax. I don't know what it is here in this country. But let me just share this in closing. We liken this chair to a toilet stool. The toilet stools are basically designed on the style of a chair. Do you agree with that? Yes. And many people end up with either hydrohernia, with hemorrhoids, because when they go to the bathroom, and then they cannot go, I know you can't see, but they strain at the stool. They make faces. <laughs> they make faces. Are you with me out there? Don't stone me yet, but this is a reality. And they strain, and that put pressure. Even pushing the esophagus. 
even putting pressures on the rectum because the, because the toilet stool, the way it is structurally made, is dangerous. Now you don't know what I'm saying. You see, the best way to have a bowel movement is in the squatting position. When the, your back end is down, your hips is down, and your knees is up. That's the squatting, because it lines your rectum with your anus, and you will not have to make faces. <laughs> now, since you cannot, since you cannot squat on the stool, get you a block of wood, eight inches in height, and leave it in your bathroom. And you set it in front of you. And, I, and put your feet on the block. Now you're in a squatting position. Are you following me? Yeah. It goes smooth. Are you with me? I know that sound looks. I'm telling you, I've been in this business 23 years in constipation. <laughs> No, that's, that's what's wrong with the handicapped toilets. There's so much higher. I, I, it's have mercy on those souls. Therefore, we better close here. Praise God that you endure it to the end. How many people are going to be here tomorrow? Brave souls. I know that you raised questions. Maybe that we need to hold them to tomorrow. And those who I could not ask a question because I know you've been here. I don't want to overload you. We've had a blessed time. I pray that something that through the testimony, through the sharing, through what my wife and I presented will just stimulate you to become good stewards of God's temple. you agree with that? I know a lot of things being said, but anyway, uh, you know, those follow this basic program. This is a simple program. Some of you all are doing. We always have room for improvement. Amen. I have room for improvement, and therefore God's plan is simple. If you know you have on the back of this program, it has a, a little chart that tells you how to monitor. Say, for example, you maybe have problem eating between meals, and and maybe that's a host of other things. Well, you see, God said, when he brought the children of Israel out of Egypt, he said he will not chase all the nations out at once. He will run them out one by one. Because the children of Israel were not a warring people. And if God had chased all the nations out at once, the wild beasts of the field were taken over and would attack the children of Israel. God revealed to us our sin one by one. If he revealed everything that is wrong with us at one time, it would overwhelm us. So if you have a problem eating between meals, get on your face and Lord, give me grace. Because where eating between meals abound, God's grace much more abound. Make a decision. Choose that I just not want to be eating healthy because I'm an Adventist. I want to be in the best position to receive God's blessing. You want to be motivated with a higher incentive than just eating right. You want to eat to his glory because you love Jesus. You don't want to do anything that will allow the devil to pierce the heart of our Savior. You have to have incentive. Are you following what I'm saying? 
you have to have motivation. And the will is where you make a decision, as I told my friend. And soon you make a choice. God will give you a power. I know that for a fact. If God can take me and transform me and my ferocious appetite, I know what he can do for you.